On the Choose to Think podcast, I will encourage and empower you to engage and optimize your best thought life in practical, meaningful ways so that you can live day by day in joy, peace, and God's purpose despite all externals. This is Victoria, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome everybody to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. If you're just tuning in, my name is Victoria and this podcast really aims to equip all of us to take our thoughts captive, to give thanks in everything, and to discover what it really means to walk with a renewed mind. And I know that sounds kind of lofty when you think about it, but we try to put feet to our faith on the show and to make it a little bit more, quote, practical in the application. On this episode, we are going to reframe the toxic thought, quote, I'll never make it. That's the toxic thought, I'll never make it. And obviously, I'm calling it toxic because if we really engage that thought and we really believe it, and we really are just kind of at the end of our ropes, it's so okay to acknowledge exactly how we feel and to express that emotion. That's really actually quite healthy and a good move to make is to kind of wake up and say, wait a minute, I'm in a spot where I'm really feeling like I just can't go on and I'll never make it. So it's, it's when we get stuck there that it can actually be harmful to our brains, to our bodies, to our general outlook, and we can kind of start slipping down that slope. And in my personal experience, I have found that that slope, once I get on it, it leads me to kind of crashing at the bottom and it leads me to no good end really. So it's not really reframing the thought like, oh my goodness, I'm so overwhelmed, I can't do this kind of almost in a lighthearted sense it's not exactly that what we're what we're trying to address here but rather it's the I'll never make it where we're overwhelmed with that thought and where we feel discouraged where we are absolutely exhausted and spent and that thought if we continue to energize it and focus on that, fixate on that particular thought, again, it's almost like an invitation to go even lower. So we wanna try to figure out together, and I'm so excited to have Candy Surratt on the show again. She is America's number one hope coach, and she's been on the show the last couple of times we've had Clubhouse, so in a moment you're going to hear from her, but she really brings value to the show and shares so mu- so many awesome experiences that, that she's had in her life, so I can't wait to hear what she has to say, to say about this, and maybe if she's ever had it or experienced or engaged this particular thought. I know I have, and it wasn't really a happy place or a happy season in my life. It was that like, oh my goodness, I just can't do this. Like, kind of like I can't do my life and I'll just never make it. Now, the I'll never make it also may mean to you, like I don't have what it takes or I'm not good at this. This isn't my thing. It, it could take on a whole lot of different meanings and we'll try to touch on 
many of those, but the main thing at some point you're going to hear us transition into, okay, yes, I'm raising my hand over here. That's exactly where I am right now, because I know that you as a listener may have felt this, or you may kind of be drawn toward that particular thought in your life. And so you may have some you may be waiting for, okay, wonder what these ladies do about that. Or maybe you're thinking, hey, I got some good ideas about this is what I do when I have that thought or when I really find myself in that place. And I would love you to share that. When this episode goes live, it's on Facebook. I have a tribe called the Fired Up Mind and Choose to Think podcast community, and that's a open public group on Facebook. You can just come right on in. I would love to have you there. And so the updates are there every single week. We put out two episodes a week, one on Monday, and then the other episode drops every Thursday at 12 a.m., And you're welcome to join there. would love to have your comments and your feedback and even some of the value that you might be able to provide and wisdom and encouraging others as well. So please feel free to join that group. You can also opt in at my website, victoriadwalker.com. There are a lot of help sheets and worksheets and podcast, like little homework sheets or cheat sheets and guides that are there. They're all free. It's free content I make available to those who opt in to hear from me just a couple times a month. I won't bombard your email or anything like that. So those are a couple ways that you could stay in touch, and and I would love that. I would love to know what you're thinking about these topics and how you handle these types of toxic thoughts. And at this moment, I want to read something to you that's coming from a devotional that I'm writing. It's called Choose to Think, Live Your Best Thought Life Every Day. And that devotional should be available the end of November. So it is a 365 devotional. So there will be 365 five-minute devotionals that you can actually do, say, starting next year in 2022. And Basically, the theme for every day is I choose. So the I'm trying to empower you and help you to see that, that you are responsible in many ways. I'm going to say 100% responsible for your health, your emotional, physical, spiritual health and well-being. But I'm also going to say, before you get worried that I just said that, that God is also 100% responsible for your healing. It's this wonderful dance that we do together, this dynamic that we we have a role to play in all of this, but it's God who ultimately sets the timing for all of this and is our healer. But in the devotional, you'll see the topic each day, I choose, I choose something. And then there will be a scripture reference, just a few paragraphs with a practical example, a life example. I do some brain research and other kind of, you know, Hebrew and Greek where I study the scriptures and try to pull meanings that, that pull that point to our thoughts, our emotions, feelings, attitudes, and mindsets, and what we can do to really start thinking and living our very best thought lives. And I have my signature process, which is called the seven R's uh, for, for living your 
your best thought life. You'll see that sprinkled throughout the devotional as well. And then finally, I have some application questions, some reflection questions that you could actually answer, say in a small group or with a friend, an accountability partner. You could even keep your own journal for that. And then each day ends with a very short prayer. So in five minutes, maybe 10, if you answer the questions, you can really begin digging deeper on your personal thought processes and how, you know, it's, it may be quite compelling for you and you may think, oh, I've never thought about it like that. And that's really the hope. So I'm going to read to you now just one excerpt from the devotional because it relates to the toxic thought that we are going to reframe the I'll never make it thought. And on this particular day, it's called I choose to see goodness. And the quote comes from the Bible reference is Psalm 2713 from the NASB. And it says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then I go on to write this. Our lives may be filled with trials and temptations, daily hardships and hurdles. Sometimes, as the busy women we are, we run around trying so hard to meet the needs of so many people we love. We work. We rush our kiddos to piano and soccer practice. We try to put a healthy meal on the table. We tune in to what's going on with our husbands, our parents. We jump onto the next Zoom meeting. And it's so easy to become discouraged, overwhelmed, even in despair as we struggle to hold it all together. But God, in only ways He could do, sustains us moment by moment. He invites us to picture the beauty around us, the favor he shows us, the prosperity and blessings he places at our fingertips. Yet, if we are not mindful, we miss critical moments to slow down and thank him for the abundance and blessing of God's provisions. Focusing on goodness is even good for your brains. Positive neuroplasticity fires up and wires up neurons together in a healthy way, training your brain to be more attentive to the goodness around you. The questions for this day are, are these. Have you been way too busy lately, too rushed to catch your breath? Can you commit to pausing often during your day to see the goodness of the Lord that surrounds you? And then the prayer says this, Lord, thank you for your many blessings and provisions, literal and spiritual. You are a good, good father who gives me everything I need. Help me to choose to see your goodness today amidst my trials and hardships and despite the chaos that seems to surround me. Give me eyes to see the wonderful ways that you provide for me every single day. Amen. And so from that, you can get a little bit of a taste into how I have personally practiced the pivot. In other words, when I have that thought, something like, I'll never make it, I can't do this, I'm overwhelmed, and I feel the weight of discouragement upon my shoulders, I've learned over the years to actually pivot a little bit to change my perspective and work my way out of that. We do have the mind of Christ and we have the mindset of Christ and you know it got me wondering I wonder 
Um, did Christ ever feel like he might not make it? Maybe you're thinking, yeah, when he was on the cross, you know, he felt abandoned while he was there. And right before that, do you remember what he said? He said, you know, Father, why have you forsaken me? So he felt like, gosh, something's going on now. Something is just almost unbearable. He even asked for the cup, quote, cup to be taken from him. And maybe he was thinking, you know, this was just a little bit too much for him. And so, okay, that kind of sets us up now to talk a little bit back and forth. And I'll tell you that for the most part, these clubhouse conversations and clubhouses and audio chat app. It's like a drop-in chat where folks can come on board and just chat and and they're not really scripted at all. We I, I pray about the episodes and, and I kind of think about it and ponder it a little bit, but I don't spend nearly as much time, say, as I might on the Thursday podcasts where we're studying the Psalms or where I'm actually interviewing people and so forth. But these were designed to be a little bit more organic. And so I want to welcome Candy to the stage just to see what she might be thinking so far and any reflections that she has to share or to to put on the table here. In my life, I've had several family members that I've lost. My dad when I was 12 and then my son when he turned 19 and then just lost my mom in 2019 right before COVID. So when I think about being in that very desperate, dark place, you know, my mind immediately goes to that that those losses and that place of loss because that is um it's a very dark place and 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 depending on you know if i know some people have family members who are terminal you know then sometimes loss is sudden and it's so many different losses it's not just people it can be relationships can be jobs so many different things and of course with you know through the pandemic you know there's losses but Um, I just keep thinking that even through all those things and feeling that devastation, God still brings that beauty from the ashes. And, um, I, I just remembered after losing my son, a friend looked at me and she said, you know, I just don't think you're finished being a mom yet. And I just looked at her and I'm like, well, maybe that's what you think. (laughs) But you know, right after that, I was praying, you know, for a purpose, and God gave me Isaiah 54, really is my story and my testimony. It's really what I've uh, shared a lot of times, and through the last uh, 17 years, you know, always come back to that, that she will have more children than those who have, you know, like spirit, have born children, um, spiritual children, and I've seen that come to pass and just you know loving on students but it is a dark place Victoria it's hard when you're sitting in that spot um you know there's a lot of promises and I know we'll get to that in a little bit but I was just thinking about so now I think about that time and I think well you know I said I'm just not going to make it through this I this is one I just don't think I'm going to be able to do and she looked at me and she said you have to you don't have a choice. <laughs> you mm. have to. We have to figure this out. So mm, that is so good. Yeah. I I thank you for bringing that perspective about loss because it's so funny how or not funny, but it's interesting how 
you thought about loss. And when I was thinking about this thought, I'll never make it, it was more in terms of dealing with the daily demands and homeschooling my kids and working full time and running here and there and and you know even just educating four children at home and and trying to be responsible for their well-being like that was really quite a challenge just in and of itself and then you combine that with I'm their mother I'm their disciplinarian I'm their teacher and I got to make them do this stuff and then I got to grade it and I've got to check it and are they really doing this stuff now I can look back and I'm like gosh I don't know how I did it but so when I read that I'll never make it I remembered the days when I just felt like man, this is too much for me. It was more along the lines of productivity and getting this done and pushing forward and this weight of responsibility on my shoulders. And then my heart would cry out, wait a minute, Victoria, don't be so concerned about checking off all the boxes and making sure that everyone's up to date with math and you lose the heart of your kids in the middle of it all. And so, because I wanted to stay connected to my kids as they were maturing and so forth, and I wanted to see my kids as my kids, as their mom, not as the teacher. Anyway, it was just, it was, that's what I think of when I, when I think I'll never make it. I've not really lost anyone in my life that to death that that made me think that I don't believe my grandmother died and when she passed she was such a dear friend to me and I rem- I but she was in her 90s so it was not like it was premature or that you know it it was more I just I felt such grief and loss over that relationship but I was also I knew where she was. I was very happy for her on the other hand. So I don't think, you know, there, there were times I used to drive her or I used to call her when I was driving to church. And so maybe on a given day, I thought, you know, I'm just not going to make this without, without grandma. And because, you know, her number's still in my phone book, my phone, you know, the little directory thing. And so maybe I had that thought. I don't really remember that, though. I just remember missing her and being sad. But I'm very grateful tonight, Candy, that you have brought to the table the fact that some people may look at that, I'll never make it. And the first thought they have is, I can't make it because I just lost someone whom I love dearly and the suffering that comes from that. And you know what? This reminds me of the episode that drops to, uh, tomorrow as a matter of fact, it's called it's episode 108, and it's called The Two Guests and How Sorrow Turns to Joy. And right at the beginning of that episode, I talk, I, I talk about some of the other guests I've had on the show, actually, who have talked about grief and recovery and that kind of trial and sorrow and depression. And I mentioned four previous episodes that folks if you're in that if you're if you're here right now if you're right here in the I'll never make it mode and kind of stuck there not knowing how you're going to you know weed your way out of this then you might want to take a listen to those episodes certainly catch the episode tomorrow the two guests and those guests quote guests are sorrow capital s and joy capital j so you might enjoy that but thank you for bringing that to the to the table candy because I think that's an important thing I it didn't even 
necessarily occur to me. I went with exhausted and overwhelmed and discouraged and spent. That's where I went. So thank you for for pointing that out. I'm a whole lot older than you. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> so that's what, probably why my mind went there. But I, just because it's been a long time since my kids were little, you know. And um, But I remember homeschooling and working two or three jobs. We had a big dog kennel. We were on a farm and keeping up with lots of puppies and those busy days and thinking, I'm so tired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you don't, you don't forget those days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I also, I had jotted down just a few notes about how when we have that thought, and maybe you and I now can turn the conversation to, okay, whatever the scenario is, what do I do about it? How do I turn? And I kind of alluded to that in the devotional that I read about shifting and pivoting your perspective, pivoting in a new direction, shifting the perspective. I alluded to that and to begin to, just as I said at the very opening of the podcast, to take the thoughts captive that are contrary to God's word, because I don't think God would be telling us, I don't believe he would ever tell me, Victoria, you'll never make it. He doesn't say that to me. Now, in my humanness, of course, I can do nothing without God. I, I, that would be the, I wouldn't even begin to suggest that this is all about me and my will and my ability and, and it's, it's me or bust. That's not what I'm saying at all. But God would not whisper in my ear, you're not going to make it. That would be something that the enemy of my soul might whisper in my ear, though. And a little fiery dart that he might throw my way that, you know, you can't do this. You're, you're over your head. You'll never make it. You'll always be here. You're, you know, forget it. And your efforts don't matter or whatever it might be that, that those lies he might hurl my way or, you know, to attempt to cause me to doubt or feel any way that takes my eyes off of God and off of Jesus, what God might say to me instead and the replacement truth leads or replacement thoughts that would take my mind in a healthy direction would be, Victoria, I'm with you. I've got this. You're yoked to me. I will lead. Keep your eyes on me. Put your hope in me. Trust me. Those would be the things that are empowering and encouraging and uplifting that his word and his spirit would bear witness. That's the kind of message he would be giving me. So if I continue to, to be more eye-focused in the sense of I'll never make it, then I my perspective keeps being put right back on me. And I may need to just pivot or shift directions a little bit. So can you think of a few ways or anything you've done, Candy, when you had that thought with your, let's just say when, when Robbie, your son committed suicide and you thought, I'll never make it. And it sounded like you had friends speaking into your life to encourage you. But can you think of anything else that occurred in your life or that you actually did or you remember that kind of shift that occurred or how did you find yourself one day not saying that after that happened i would go out to the cemetery and i remember standing there thinking no mom should ever have to go through this this is reverse of how life should be as we know it but i remember standing out there and i still go out there 
at times, and it helps me shift. You're talking about a perspective shift. So I go out there and I stand there and I think, you know, I I need to keep an eternal perspective mm-hmm. because if I'm looking at this from God's perspective, you know, life is very short, and you know, we we um, we are learning that. I think even more recently, you know, and so I really try to keep an eternal perspective that to see things from God's perspective and maybe the way that he's viewing it. And it is a shift. I constantly am saying this to people. I have to shift. I do have to shift. I have to stop those thoughts. I'm not going to make it. I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I mean, I, I still get overwhelmed and um, I'm exhausted or I can't do this, you know. And what I've come to realize is I really can't do it. I can't do this on my own and I can't do this apart from God because it says, you know, all of his, all of our labors in vain, you know, if we if we pull away from him that, you know, he is the vine and we are the branches and we have to we're attached to him when we know him. And so I think just keeping an eternal perspective and knowing that he's gonna he's gonna walk us through this. If we're if we're asking and we're seeking, he promises we will find him. Mm. That's so good, Candy. Thank you for for sharing that. Even, you know, you said a moment ago, no mom should have to go through this. And that's true. But even that thought, I feel like zaps me a little bit and would be one that would cause me to kind of crumble inside. And and then I thought about Mary watching Jesus on the cross, even no mom should have to do that either. And so while those things are true and they're accurate, if I even told myself something like that, I think it could become something that would be one of those trigger thoughts that would almost lead to a dominoing effect on my whole attitude and mindset. I think even that thought, like no mom should have to go through this, though it's true, I think I would have to be careful with that thought too because I think it would... It, I, I can feel the weight of it, even when I just say that or when I think about being in your position. And it's almost, I almost can't imagine it. I almost, it's so painful, actually, to even try to imagine what you went through. And, and I'm with you. No, no person should have to deal with something like that. It is, a, it is backwards. It's not, um, it's not the, the natural progression of, of our life in general. And then I think about my grandmother, the lady I was talking about a moment ago, who lost six of her 10 children to death in her lifetime. She had 10 children and lost six of them while she was still living. She also lost two husbands to death. And she was so remarkable. I, I would give, there's no amount of money that I wouldn't give to have her on my show even right now talking a little bit more about how she processed such grief and the weight of all of that. And, I, you know, I, I wrote down a few things or I've jotted down a few things that I think are very healthy to do when we are engaging that kind of thought, whatever it might be. And I mentioned it a moment ago to label the feeling. Figure out what do we mean by I'll never make it? Because as you as you just heard, there, 
I took it one way and Candy took it another way. So what do you mean by that thought, I'll never make it? What does it mean to you? How would you define it? And what are the the feelings associated with that thought? And I think I would list them out. And then I think another thing that I've done that I've practiced personally when I ha- when I notice that I'm engaging, repeatedly engaging toxic thoughts is I then try to label who God is. I label who God is regarding that feeling. And for example, the I'll never make it. Who is God when I'm feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and at my wits end? Who is God in that for me? Can I label him as well? I label the feeling, identify it, but then can I identify who God is? And he might be my provider. He might be my encourager. He might be my peace. And what, what do you have? What do you think about that, Candy? Is there something else that you might be able to do in the midst of it when you kind of feel that feel that welling up? Yes, we're going to pivot. We're going to label the feeling and we're going to label who God is and then maybe pick some scriptures out. I always count on you to to bring some scriptures. Do you have any other scriptures that you think might be good replacement truths for this toxic thought? Well, in, in that perspective shift, um, you know, he has given us so many pr- promises and that's what I have to do is I have to go, I have to go find, you know, scriptures that can, they heal my spirit, you know, and they, they change my perspective because I know that his word is true. And I, I remember when my kids were little, one of the first Bible verses, as soon as they could talk, one of the first things, probably because my mom taught me this one too, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's Philippians 4.13. And I remember their little voices going, I can do all things. Aww. <laughs> and, you Love know, it. when we feel like we can't make it, we just, you know, we just, I just quote, I just start finding Bible verses. I just have to do that. And I think about, uh, you know, weeping may last her night, but joy comes in the morning light. And that's so true. And, and it, it's one of the um, hardest things for my mind to understand is how you can go through that deep valley, but then be on a mountaintop. How does that work? And, you know, only, but God, only God can bring you from that place to that mountaintop where I remember the first time I laughed and I felt guilty and then joy, you know, and he brings that joy in time. And so he is my healer. He is my deliverer. He is my place of refuge. He is my strong tower. He is my banner, you know, and so I just have to start confessing what is, what is true. You know, and what is true is is who he says he is. You know, he is faithful. You know, he's consistent. He's stable when everything around you is tossing and turning and chaotic. You know, he's steadfast. He doesn't, like in James, it talks about being tossed back and forth with the waves. He doesn't do that. He's always the same yesterday, today, and forever, tomorrow. You know, so those are some of my thoughts and scriptures I think about in Isaiah 43 when it says, don't be afraid I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Mm. And it says uh, in the message, sometimes I love that because I'm such a visual learner. So it's like a storyteller kind of version for me. But when you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. And when you're in rough waters, you will not go down. 
when you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I'm God. I am your personal God, your Savior. And I just love that. I Mm. love his word. And it's his word that, for me, is what really shifts. Whether it's listening to it, like we talked about before in the worship, or whether it's, you know, opening up a Bible or listening to an audio tape or calling a friend and saying, I need to hear a word. What, what's a fresh word? What is God saying to you today? Can you encourage me? You know, those are some things that, that I have to just take that perspective shift and once again, be proactive and go for something different than what's in my thought process. And, and you're right, Victoria, who is he to me in those moments? He's everything because apart from him, I know that I cannot do anything. I want to talk candy about something that you mentioned when you were in that hard spot, you had friends speak into your life. And I wonder, let's say that a listener isn't actually engaging the toxic thought or stuck there, I'll never make it, kind of feeling at the end of their rope and it really despairing even of life and just, uh, you know, done. What what could what what would you encourage those listeners to tell their loved ones who are in that spot in other words how might we if we're not in this spot but yet we know someone who is someone very dear to us how might we best encourage them and i don't know if you can think of the times that your friends encouraged you as you were going through such a difficult season but were there some things that that people did or said to you that were more helpful than others? Or how might we encourage other folks if we notice they're really stuck and really despairing or depressed? I've thought about this question a lot um, and shared and have shared it some. When this first happened, it was 17 years ago, but I think the thing that meant the most to me in those days at that time was wasn't so much the words that people said I know cliches are really hard to hear when you're the person in that position so if you're with someone who's had a loss or in that place of discouragement or giving up honestly and I think people mean well and sometimes they don't know what to say but the, some of the things that meant the most to me were the people who sat with me and cried or sat with me and never said a word. You don't always have to have the right thing to say. Sometimes that meant more to me than anything because you feel their compassion and you know they care. Mm. And sometimes you don't even need the words. You just need to know there's a person with you. They they loved him like he was their son. And I my family stepped up. Um, they would call on the weekends and check on me. You know, weekends were the hardest. I would work all week, and I got through that, busy, but I would just sit in the parking lot dreading to go home on Friday night because I knew that whole weekend I was alone and with my thoughts, and, you know, you have to battle through that. And so sometimes I think it's not even the words, but there were I, – I was – I have been very blessed. I have seven siblings and nieces and nephews that love me and – quality friends who know how to pray surround yourself with people who are encouraging and and it's the ones who've walked through the hard things too that really do have the compassion may not it's not going to be identical to your situation but it's 
their experiences, you know, that they can share with with you. I, I know your pain. I'll just share one. You know, I'm full of little stories, but it's just, it's been so such a gift to me the way that God has um, healed my heart in layers at different times, different places, and I can almost take you to different places where he did specific work in my heart, and one of those places was I was working with the middle school kids at our church, and we went to Haiti with a team of 13, and we did it several different types of ministries. They wanted us to experience different kinds of things, but one of the things we did, we got up early one morning in the dark and walked into this little village and somehow I ended up at the front of the line with a couple of the kids and the translator that was with us. We walked into this this house and the translators, it was a little lady standing there, beautiful face, beautiful white hair, tiny. And he said, she's sick and she's asking for prayer. And I looked at him and I said, can you just ask her if there's anything specific we can pray? We'll pray, but ask her if there's anything specific. And he turned around, they spoke in Creole, I believe. And he turned around, he spoke to her, and he turned back around, he looked at me, and he said, well, she can't eat or drink anything, and she can't sleep. And he said, she, she just told me she just lost her son. And I just, I looked over at her and I said, I got this one. And the kids that were with me, of course, we gathered around her, and I said, tell her that I know her pain. Now, we're two languages. We can't communicate at all. But he turned around and he spoke to her, and she just turned around and she grabbed me, and she just wept. And we wept together. And even though we can speak the same language, God's spirit was there. And we had that common bond, you know. And I prayed over her, and I said, tell her. I will pray for her every single day as long as I have breath. And I still think about her every morning, you know, this little lady who just hugged me and held on to me. And, you know, I I prayed that gave her hope. And I said, you know, God is with her. Tell her God is with her, and he's going to help us go through this. That is so poignant, and thank you so much for sharing that. I can feel the emotion even in your voice and the blessing that no doubt that was for that lady and the fact that there was a language barrier was no barrier barrier at all for God and he did meet you there and I'm sure that this lady often thinks of you as well and that that was a powerful moment and of, of healing for her and even just a lifeline of hope so what a sweet sweet story And Candy, I'm going to pull it in another direction, kind of coming back to what some of my friends did for me when I felt so overwhelmed with my life and my to-do lists and the duties that I had and the many responsibilities and, you know, running a household and, and all of that. And one of my friends who was is my dear mentor to this day, she said, I'm going to come to your house every single Monday and I'm going to spend, she would spend maybe three to four hours here of her time every single Monday. And she worked, she had grandbabies kind of coming around that time and, and was, you know, had her own home and, and everything like that. And she came over and she spent that time and she actually, she said, I want you to just tell me what you need me to do. So sometimes I had her grade for me, like stacks of, and it might be, 
you know, like multiple choice, this or that, or just checking over work. Did the kids do this? Check. And going through all these, the syllabus that I might've had and so forth for each of them. And so she would do that. She also, I would say, oh, you know, this closet. She said, you got any closets? And yeah, this closet. Okay. I'm going to tackle this closet. And she would just arrange it and organize it because you know how it is when your house is out of sorts you kind of feel out of sorts too and but once you declutter and you detox your environment and you you bring things back into the order that God designed he designed for us to live in peace and and to have a sanctuary in our homes and so she brought a little bit of that to the table as well sometimes she cooked for me or she brought food over she loved when we used to have great harvest bakery here in town in lexington she would always go by and bring the marvelous loaves of bread and the big cookies and oh my goodness my my kids loved and the cinnamon rolls they would make they they love that and so she would bring that sometimes she she offered monetary gifts and she just said you know i have this extra five hundred dollars and i was wondering where i might give this or what i might do with this and and like I, she i remember she did that once when my microwave went out and and she just happened to come that day and I'm and I'm like, you know, it was just one other thing when you're when you're single, you're you're everything's on your shoulders and so it was just not that I mean we could have lived without the microwave, no biggie, but still it was one of those things in your house that okay and so she she just flat out bought me a new microwave and I mean she supported me in tandem. Of course, she was a prayer warrior, much like you said, Candy. We need those people who love us and who know us and who are compassionate and empathetic and who've been through hard times themselves. And they're, they're willing to come to us in the trenches, whether it's some, that dark moment like you felt with Robbie or whether it's a, just a really cloudy time when I just can't seem to get on top of things. And so those are the friends that, that we, we love to have. And those are the friends that we ought to be. So some of these things that we've shared, whether it's the prayer or the just sit with someone and be present with them or do something tangible. If you can bless them, bless them. Those sorts of things probably mean a lot more than you think they do as the giver and as the provider. They like candy, just like for the lady you prayed for, I, I know you know what that meant to her, but you may not really know the depth of how that touched her life and her very soul. And for, for you, it was a connection and you prayed and you empathized. And But for her, it could have been totally life-changing and made the the whole difference in her whole life and how she lived out her days. She may still be living, I'm not sure, but but what my friends have done for me over the years have, have to them, it's just like, oh, I'm going to go do this. You know, we think we're just taking a plate of cookies somewhere, but really we're, we're throwing a lifeline and we're in it. You know, the, the name on the end of it is, is hope. And that's what we're throwing people. So I want to be that kind of friend. And I, I'm so grateful and thankful for the friends I've had who've done that for me. Yeah, I think um, I agree with what you're saying. I had friends who did 
things in practical ways and tangible ways through the year to uh, the day. Like the very next day, neighbors showed up with homemade pies and soup beans, and somebody went out and bought toilet paper and paper towels and coffee, things that mm. I wouldn't have thought to do for somebody, but just very practical things. And show up and, you know, a friend showed up in a Jeep and said, we're going for a ride today, and we went out to the sunflower field and just walked around. And um, it's such a blessing. You know, sometimes you think, Things do not make a difference, but the, but one thing can make the difference in someone's day that can get them through that day. And um, I'm thinking, I have one more uh, thing that I was thinking about, Victoria. Katie Davis Majors in the book Daring to Hope she wrote. She's uh, a girl for people who aren't familiar with that went to Uganda when she was 18 and took on 14 little Ugandan girls and adopted them and homeschooled them. And she's just, I love, she's written two books, beautiful. Her life is such a testimony about the things she walked through and the hardships. And they would bring sick people and just lay them on her porch. But there's a little excerpt here. She's talking about uh, getting up early one morning, trying to get up before the girls so she could have her prayer time and quiet time before, you know, can you imagine 14 little girls? Right. <laughs> In a country that you don't hardly speak the language of. But she said she got up and this little bird sitting on the windowsill just making all this noise. And she's thinking, what in the world are you doing? You know, can you not be quiet right now? It's still dark outside. And I'm trying to have my quiet time, you know. And she said the same little bird that can't contain her song early in the morning is now singing in the rain. And she said, as the rain starts to trickle, the sun peeks out from behind. And suddenly all I hear is her glorious song. To have faith like that, I wonder, does she sing because she knows the sun is coming? And I want to be just like that little bird. Hope is a crazy thing. It's a courageous thing. Faith is bold, irrational choice. But that little bird, she feels the sun coming. She knows with certainty that it will come even when she can't see it yet. And she goes on to say, I can sing because I know what's coming. I can hope because I know who is coming. In the dark of the night, I have seen his face, and I know his promises to be true, and I know the light is coming. I want to be brave enough to hold out the hope of the gospel to a world that's hurting and alone and afraid. Not a hope rooted in the absence of pain or heartache or suffering. Not optimism that looks for the best-case scenario or a happy ending. A true hope that rises from the full assurance that our Savior is on his way. It's not light yet, but I know him, the one who is the light. And so in the dark... I will sing too. And I just have always remembered this story since I read it. And I want to be that light in the dark for others as people have been that light in the darkness for me. And then overall, God is, God, God is light and in him there is no darkness and he is our hope. I, I'm so grateful for the things, the places he's brought me through. I've, I've heard it said that he's like my Ebenezer. He's brought me safe this far and I am eternally grateful mm. for the places he's brought me through, the things he's brought me through, the experiences he's allowed me to walk through, and the different um, teams that I've been able to travel with, and students that have, even students that have spoken into my life and spoken hope to me, and I want to be able to do the same thing for others. Mm. 
Wow, that is such an amazing story, Candy. I love it. And you are that person, by the way. You are doing that. And I want to be that little bird. Oh my goodness. What I, I just think of this little tenacious bird who is like, by golly, I will. I'm going to still sing my song. And as you were speaking also, I thought about Jenny Owens, the Christian artist, singer, author, who is blind, and she just wrote a book. Matter of fact, it was released on my birthday, May 1st of this year, and it's called Singing in the Darkness, and her book is all about hope. Matter of fact, she's going to come onto the show Let's see, round about October the 7th is when her episode will drop. But oh my goodness, she, for her to be able to say, Lord, be my vision. And Lord, I will sing in the dark. It takes on another meaning because she can't see in the in the literal way, but she has spiritual eyes, which are sensitive and certainly can see. And just a beautiful picture. Thank you so much for sharing that. Everything that you bring to the table is so helpful and inspirational, encouraging, and absolutely filled with hope. You are a trophy of of God's amazing grace and his mercy and his love. And it's just wonderful that we get to kind of share in these things and we get to say, hey, you know, we don't have all the answers, of course, but we know who does. And we may not know just the right things to say or do, but we know who does. And we're, you and I point to our Father. We point to God. We point to Jesus. And that is, you know, in and of itself, it's just beautiful I think so I'm glad that you and I are running the along in the same direction here I'm very grateful for that and that's a wrap brain changer thank you so much for tuning in and say if you like what you hear please consider sharing this link to the show with a friend or a family member who you think might be encouraged by the inspiring and hope-filled messages that I try to put out every single week so thank you so much for your support and until next time Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga Ciao.